Fantastic. Grab a seat. Hello, everybody online. So glad you dialed in as well. It's so cool. Imaginations. Seriously, one of the great missions churches on the planet. And I know you've had other names over the years, but I can't think of a better name for a church. You know, I, I think what you call it, it becomes. That's actually quite a biblical, that's a biblical concept, you know. Um, and Pastor Jack and Carol, you inspire me. That, that video exhausted me, by the way. <laughs> Far out. It takes a lifetime to do that, and you did it in a year. Amazing. So well done, those of you that continue to seed the gospel, because the answer for the planet is Jesus. It's Jesus. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited to just be able to be with you. I, I got to tell you, I'm going to say up front, I am not one of the world's great missions preachers. I haven't come here to do a missions conference. I've come here to get out what God is doing in here. And it's going to meet and it's going to dovetail with everything God is saying to you. Because uh, I spent some time with Pastor Jack this afternoon and it's very, very aware, I'm so aware that there is something that God is doing on the planet right now and he's speaking to men and women and I, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, if you've got ears, hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. And uh, I, I'm, I'm a missionary, whether it's down the road or around the globe. I just believe missions is helping people meet Jesus wherever they are. And uh, I, I'm very, very excited about it. And I'm going to just dive into something tonight. Are you ready for that? I realize it's Thursday night. And uh, so we're not going to go super late tonight. Um, but I just got something on my heart, and God help us get it out. Amen? We're going to turn to the book of the Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Some of you just got excited even at the thought of that. It's like, whoa, <laughs> this is a missions conference, and we're coming out of the Song of Solomon. This is my happy day. Well, let me tell you, the Song of Solomon, is, it's, it's an amazing book, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. It's, um, it's a book that... When I was in, in the first church that Lynn and I led, we had a guy come to our church and use the book of the Song of Solomon as, as his framework for a marriage seminar. It actually was magnificent because it obviously, if you know anything of you know, some of the, the books of the Bible, the Song of Solomon is a poetic book. It's a dialogue between a king and his bride, between Solomon and the Shunammite. And uh, today, let me tell you something. There are some things the king is saying to his bride, the church. King Jesus is speaking to his church. And uh, this is far more than just some romantic letter. I believe tonight, for us, it's a prophetic call. So we're going to dive into something. Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Little boy was sitting in grade 4. Teacher walked in just after lunch, said, Boys and girls, we went through this last week, but I want to ask you a question. How many seasons are there in any given year? Johnny shoots his hand straight up. He said, Miss, there's two. She said, Johnny, we went through this. There's four. He said, Miss, there's two. She said, There's four. Johnny says, Miss, I talked to my dad. There's two. She said, Okay, tell me what they are. He, she, he said, They're cricket and there's footy. <laughs> it's two seasons. I, my vote's with Johnny, by the way. <laughs> Chapter two. Is all about seasons. We've been through a season. The planet's been through a season. But let me tell you something. We're entering a new season. And this conference is going to pick up on the heartbeat of God in this season and for this season. Chapter 2, Song of Solomon. Verse 10. My beloved spoke to me and said, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, Come with me. See, say see. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in the land. Fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. This is more than just poetic dialogue. The king speaking to his bride back then is speaking to his bride right now. And I want to look at the things that he is saying to us. 
There are three things that I need to unpack, and they're really important. And it's going to just set the scene for what we're going to do tonight and again tomorrow night. Three things that I want to draw out just in those three or four verses. There is a call, there is a prophecy, and there is a declaration or an interpretation of that prophecy. A call, a prophecy, and a declaration. Let's talk about the call. It's very clear. The call is, is it's right there. It's in black and white. The king says, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. You see, in chapter 2, all of chapter 2 is the bride speaking, except for these few verses. And the king begins to speak in response to her call. And the king says to the bride, he said it then and he's saying now, arise. You know, I look at that and I see the king is saying to his bride, the king is saying to this bride, arise. I look at that and I go, why would the king say arise? Was the bride lying down? Was the bride sitting down? Or was she just a little down? The season we've been through has left a lot of people down. Spiritual fatigue just emotionally a little low. The mental health for some people has been, it's been terrible. And I'm acknowledging the fact that there's been a season. But out of that season, there's coming a new call. And the call is to arise. The, the same call is found in the prophet Isaiah chapter 60. It says, rise and shine. That's the word of the Lord to the church as we enter a brand new day, as we enter into this, this wrestle with what we can do to see the kingdom of God come on planet earth. Arise and shine. Why? For your light has come. Let me tell you about light. Light is so needed because do you know what darkness is? Darkness is just the absence of light. Chapter 60 verse of, of Isaiah, the second verse says, see darkness covers the whole earth and deep darkness covers the people. Dark. You don't believe it's dark? What's the six o'clock news? Your suburb, some of the suburbs surrounding this very building carry some of the darkest areas of humanity. Some of the deepest challenges in society are within 5K radius of this very place. I live in Brisbane and I hear about some of those suburbs because of the darkness. Darkness is on all the continents. Africa. China, my goodness, right through the Asia, right through Europe, darkness is covering the whole earth. But let me tell you, in amongst the darkness, there's a call from the king. There's a call to his bride, rise, rise and shine. For your light has come. Come on, let's shake off 2020. What was that? 2020, thankfully, it's in the rear view mirror and now it's nothing more than an adjective. Well, that's a 2020 thing. How many are glad it's over? We're looking forward with faith. We're looking forward with vision. Rise. I got a question for you. How many of you just, bing, you wake up. When you wake up, you're ready for the day, babe, straight up. I'm married to somebody like that. For Lynn, waking up's an event. Bang, straight up. For me, it's a process. Just take a little time, a little caffeine. Lynn just straight up, and she's actually ready to make the bed before I'm even out of it. <laughs> it has caused a little bit of issue within the marriage, but thankfully we're getting through it, so thanks for your prayers. <laughs> but the deal is it doesn't really matter how long it takes to rise as long as you do rise because there's a new day to enjoy. There's a new day. Some of you have taken a little while. Some of us have actually taken a little while to fully re-engage with church, fully re-engage with the joy of what God is doing in the earth here. But hey, let me tell you, you've been worth waiting for because it's time to rise and shine. Because the king is calling. And you know what he's calling? He, he's, he's not just saying, get up, but he's saying, don't just get up, come with me. What an invitation. The king's got an adventure for his church. Are you ready for it? 
There's a lot of people with a lot of prophecies of doom and gloom for the church of Jesus Christ, but I actually believe we're entering into one of the greatest seasons the church of Jesus has ever known, if not the greatest days ever. And that's not just a cliche, and I'm not just here to pump up your tires and get you swinging from the chandeliers. I'm prophesying tonight. I hear the king say, come on, get up. There's a new day. There's a new adventure. Embrace it and come with me. Enter into it. <laughs> Follow me. I, I, I've been a little challenged lately. I've been questioning some of my practices, some of the things that consume my time and energy. Brings me back to right here. Arise, my darling, come with me. Who am I following? What am I following? What are the greatest influences of my life? I've actually done an audit. And that audit has meant some changes. I've renounced Twitter. It's a septic tank. Bad attitudes. Caustic opinions. I'm not interested. I don't want to follow that. I'm not interested in it. Too many people are caught up even in the church with social trends and this and that. Listen, I think we need to be aware, but we need to be careful it doesn't start luring our heart. Follow Jesus. He says, come with me. There's this call for, for, for not just this sense of obligation, but this, this, this wholehearted devotion. The early fathers made this incredible statement in the, in the Westminster Catechism. They said the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I don't think the church has got that much to offer the, the world other than whole, happy hearts filled with the Holy Ghost and the simplicity of the gospel. But what a change that makes. What a change that makes. Arise, my darling. Come with me. God, I, I believe the Lord is calling his church back to a place where we actually don't just serve him, but we firstly enjoy him. Come with me, he says. Spending time in his presence. I think there's, there's something happening in the world where, where Christians aren't just listening to worship. We're worshiping again. Enjoying him. Spending time with him. Can, can I make a little confession? My prayer life's got less words in it at the moment. Less words. And far more enjoyment of Jesus. See, I want the world to have what I've got. And it starts with me just learning to enjoy him again. Can I tell you something? He's not calling his church to strive even in our missions giving, this is not about striving. This is the overflow of us enjoying him. Are you hearing me tonight? We're just enjoying him. I, I woke up um, two Fridays ago, and I, six something in the morning, and, and I realized that some of the obligations we had for the day and the commitments had shifted. And I said to Lynn, hey, you want to go to Noosa for two days? Didn't have to twist her arm. She said, yes. Jumped in the car and we took off and we were there just after breakfast. And, and you know what we, we, we did, basically? We just walked on a beach. We talked. Some, sometimes we use a lot of words, a lot of times just nothing. And, and I think part of this new season is hear the king say, come on, just spend time with me. Because in his presence, that's where you'll get the fullness of joy. It's in his presence things get clear. In his presence, we again engage with what's really important. I've been saying to my team, I've been saying to my own heart recently, small things become big things when we forget the main thing. In relationships, in church life. I love the passion of Pastor Jack. He keeps bringing us back over and over and over again to what the main thing. It's called the Great Commission. And, and, and little things become big things. Little offenses become huge offenses when we forget the main thing. And you know what? It just becomes clear when we get in his presence. So before we talk about this and the world, let's talk about this. Let's start again. 
with fresh adoration of Jesus. Of Jesus. But when the call has come, there, there, there's an accompanying prophecy. And this is where I'm really going to start to move us forward today. The king makes a, comp, a, a very convincing and, and strong declaration. He says, see. How many men in the room are guilty of having men looks? A man look, ladies, means that if you can't see it in the drawer from 15 metres away, it just isn't there. <laughs> I, I have too many man looks. But this, this is not, hey, have a man look. A lot of us in church life, we look, but we never see. And the Spirit of God is saying to the church, see, take clear notice. I want you to pay full attention. Something is happening and here it is. Here's the fact. Here's what the Lord wants his church to see today. The winter is past. I'm here to declare that in this church. I'm here to declare it in this church of, of Australia. I'm here to speak into the 21st century of the church of Jesus Christ. We have had a winter and winter was real and winter was bad, but winter is over. Oh, it was serious. Three weeks ago, I sat on a plane. I flew down and did a, 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 some meetings in Adelaide, flew back the next day. On the way down and on the way back, the pilot said this, ladies and gentlemen, would you please be very kind to this cabin crew because this is the last shift they'll ever do. Some of them have worked for this company for over 40 years and they've been made redundant due to the pandemic. And it's been very real. 1,200 people that weekend lost their job. Everybody in this room's got a COVID story. Everybody you know has got a COVID story. The wedding that couldn't happen, the funeral that could only have five people, the people that lost their job. It's, we all know what's happened and winter was tough. I know people that are still struggling with all kinds of concepts and issues going on in their heart and their head. I get it. Winter can be bleak. Now, I'm a Queenslander. I don't quite get winter. Last year, winter was a Thursday. <laughs> but in some parts of the planet, some parts, the Middle East where this is coming from, in some parts it's dark and it's damp and it's bleak and it's cold and people retreat. And in some parts of the church, people have retreated. But the Spirit of God is saying to his church, winter's over. Yeah, it was real, but it's in the rearview mirror. Hey, I'm here today. Winter is over. Winter is over. You couldn't, you couldn't prevent it. It came. We acknowledge it. But hey, goodbye winter. It's over. A new season for the church of Jesus is upon us. A brand new season. Hey, winter can have a very negative effect on people. I, I've seen it. Lynn has often said to me, I thank God that he has never called us to the UK. She means it. She means it. She would not have coped with the weather. She would not have coped with... People in England, they, just, they, they don't even run in the rain. They just walk in it. And they bunker down. Just how it is. You know, experts actually identify a syndrome that results from people not getting enough sunlight. It's called seasonal affective disorder, SAD. Sad. It's true. I know you think it's funny, but it's actually real. Seasonal affective disorder. Because people don't get enough sunshine, the body doesn't develop the hormones that, that literally moderate our moods. And instead of it producing serotonin, which, which is kind of a happy hormone, the, the body without that sunlight and without that, the, the wonder of, of spring and summer and being outside, the, the body starts producing melatonin and that leaves you tired all the time. Some of you take that to kind of just help you get a better rest. But you imagine having that kind of drip fed into your body all the time. Just tired. I, I've met some Christians that don't even know why they just tired, fatigued. Sick and tired, and they're sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. It's because they're just being a little sad. 
Seasonal affective disorder actually leaves you stressed, depressed, a little less sociable, and even leaves you with undisciplined eating habits. Spiritually, I've watched that happen. Talking to pastors and leaders, I, I know some Christians with real spiritual lethargy because of winter. Some of them have retreated from fellowship. Now, I know I'm singing to the choir tonight, but the, you and I know some people that haven't even returned to church yet. Not pointing the finger, I actually understand it. SAD? Bible says, forsake not the gathering of yourselves together as the habit. Say habit. Habit of some is. You do anything for 90 days, you've probably got a habit for life. I don't know what it was in this city, but in ours, I preached to an empty building for 19 weeks in a row. I pretended I liked it. I hated it. Me, a cameraman or two, and some sound people, and they weren't even always listening. They're tweaking with wires. And would you at least look at me? It was awful. And some people have developed habits. Just pull them back from fellowship. Just love them back. Stop pointing the finger. Don't ask, where are you? Just ask, how are you? Love them back into the house. Are you with me tonight? But so, some people have just had sad. And even others have, because of seasons they've been in, they're feeding on the wrong things. Guys, I, I, I do a lot of men's events. And if I start talking about addictions to things on a screen, I can guarantee somewhere between a third to a half of the crowd will walk forward. Feeding on the wrong stuff. But it's not just the, that stuff. It's the blogs about church and other leaders. And Did you hear about it? I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to feed on that stuff. It's not good for you. I don't want to be sad. That, that, that's a winter syndrome. But winter's over. Winter's over. Come on. Hear the word of the Lord. He is calling the church to come out of winter and enter an exciting brand new day. Winter's over. You know, one of the things that, that I felt the Lord spoke to my heart, and then because of that, I've been speaking to our church. I said, why don't we use this month that we're in right now as a month of spiritual renewal? Let's recalibrate spiritual disciplines. Let's, let's allow the Holy Spirit to work in our heart as we dial down some things that have been distractions and maybe even things that have actually started to get into our appetite while we've been a little sad. I tell you what's amazing. Can I tell you what started to happen? God began to cause us to declare over our church homecoming. We begin to say, it's time for the lost to find the Father's heart like never before. It's time for the prodigals to come back to his house like never before. While I was away preaching yesterday in another state to a bunch of pastors, I was getting texts from staff members saying people started walking off the street yesterday saying they want to find God. It's happened as we just start to just press into him and allow him to grip our heart for lost people. Winter's over. Now it gets exciting. He begins to tell us what it looks like. This is what the new season for the church looks like. This is, this is what the new season for, for the kingdom looks like in this nation, in this church, for all of us moving forward. Look, read on with me. He, he says, here's what it looks like now. Winter's past. He says, verse 12, flowers appear on the earth. Whoa. I looked out the window of my house just a couple of days ago and I saw this magnolia tree with these incredible new blooms coming on. Something breathtaking about the things that begin to bloom in a new season. I gotta tell you something, I, I, I was inspired. I don't know about you, I hope you weren't just singing songs, but you were getting lost in the presence of Jesus because there was a couple of moments as we were worshiping Jesus, I could just, I just, whoa. Jesus, you're doing something right here. It's beautiful to watch. You know, the, the only thing about gardens and flowers, somewhere around the garden, you're going to find a fertilizer heap. You can go to the most beautiful gardens in the world and there's going to be somewhere a fertilizer heap, usually dung 
It's just shoveled away. It's amazing how many people, even with all the flowers around, can still find the dung. Look at that. I'm choosing, I'm, let me tell you something, I'm only choosing to look at the flowers in this new day. Did you hear about the problem in that church? No, I haven't and I don't want to know about it. Have you seen that thing on the website? No, I'm not looking at it. I'm looking at the flowers because there's something beautiful in this new day. I'm seeing what God is doing in the nations of the earth. I'm beholding that. Look at those flowers. Look at what's happening there in Brazil. And look what's happening. Whoa, look what's happening in Indonesia. Whoa, and that in Israel, amazing. I'm looking at the beautiful things he's doing in this new season. He says there's, there's, there's singing. You know, every season has a sound. Every season. Winter's got this dirgy sound. And, and, and there's been a season when the church has gone through and, 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 and it kind of, it sounded like this. It's really tough. I'm really broken. But God's good. I think I'm going to make it by his grace. That's the song of winter. <laughs> but there's a new sound in the church. I've said to the musicians in my church, I said, let me tell you something. I reserve the right to audit every song list. Not only because some songs have got crummy theology and I think we need to clean up our act. But secondly... I actually think we need to make sure that every song we sing has got this sound where, where we're realizing who we are in Christ, that we're above and not beneath, that we're the head and not the tail, that we are more than conquerors through Christ. Not, oh, we're victims. Oh, it's tough. No, no, that's the sound of winter, but this is a sound of spring. Hey, we're more than conquerors. The church of Jesus Christ is not living on the back foot. We're not these little quiet thing that has to sit down and shut up. No, we're going to rise and shine for our light has come. we got a song and we're going to declare it in Jesus' name. And when the song is sung, things happen. Ask Paul and Silas. Chains break, jails open. I had an American friend with me a couple of years ago and took him to the AFL. Watched the mighty Brisbane Lions. He won, was great. He got up to leave. I said, where are you going? He said, home. I said, no, you're not. We haven't sung the song. He said, sung the song? I said, yeah, listen to this. And in one voice, 40,000 people. We are the pride of Brisbane town. We remember own blue and gold. <laughs> Dawned on me, the French stole the Brisbane Lions song for the national anthem. <laughs> How dare they? How dare they? And he began to laugh. He said, you Aussies. I said, come on, buddy. You can't win and not sing. Hey, church, you can't win and not sing. I, I don't get Christians that come and watch the musicians. No, no, no. We've got to let our song out. Hear what the psalmist said, Psalm 40, verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth and a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. The season for introspection is over and the time of celebration has come. The winter's over. Some of us need to tell our heart to let our lips know. that we're on the winning side. Oh, the media's trying to bash us down and cause our heads to hang. No, come on, rise and shine. Rise and shine. Don't let winter touch your soul. Now it gets really cool. We're building to something here. <laughs> it says, and the cooing of doves, the cooing of doves is heard in our land. That's what it says in the latest NIV version. Many other versions get it even more accurate. It's the cooing of turtle doves. Why is that important? Here's why. Because turtle doves in that region only coo at one time of the year, harvest time. Mm, exactly. Harvest time. 
Anybody that knows anything of the symbols of Scripture knows that a dove is a type and a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, in this new season, I hear the turtle dove. I hear the dove of God declaring it's harvest time. It's no longer time to bunker down and sit around the fire and just look after everybody. No, come on, get up and ready and be ready to move in because it's hard. I hear the turtle dove cooing. I'm not listening to those lies that Australians don't want to know about Jesus. I don't want to listen to the lies that say that communist borders won't allow the gospel to advance. I'm not going to listen to anything. It is time for the church to really believe that it's harvest time in Jesus' name. And here's the really cool thing. The dove that's cooing is also the one who's empowering his church to do exploits. He's empowering us to do the great things that Jesus called us to do. Listen to what it says of him. In, in Acts 1, we know this so well. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you, who? That's you. Regardless of your personality. Regardless of your age. But you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And this is what I love. This is the, 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 the expanding influence of the church and you'll be a witness for me in your local community in Jerusalem and then in a little further out in Judea and further out in Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the earth across the continents across the islands you the turtle dove that's saying it's harvest time is also preparing us for harvest I was I was in prayer just a few weeks ago and I felt the Holy Spirit ask me a question. It was, it was an unusual moment for me. I felt the Holy Spirit said this. What's the value of a human soul? And I gave what I thought was quite a biblically sound reply. You know, you're not sure whether you're praying or talking. It's kind of, I call it proking. Yeah. It's like thinking and praying. And I just was in that moment with the Lord. What's the value of a human soul? I Gave an answer, which I think was fair. Then the second question came. Do you really believe it? And then the big one came on the back of it. What are you doing about it? I'm going to tell you something. I get emotional when I start thinking about this. It affected me so profoundly we were just coming to the end of a year and the, my business team were doing their budget and everything and everything was balanced and looked good and they put it on my desk and said, there it is. And I looked at it and I said, would you take it away and would you run everything we're doing back through the Great Commission? It changed some ways we're doing things. I'm stirred. People need Jesus. Let's just talk about this nation. Our nation's gone mad. And hear me, Canberra's not going to fix it. Pray for your politicians. I'm not criticizing any of them. Thank God there's some men and women in places of influence that are doing their best. They're followers of Jesus and we pray for them. But I don't think that Australia's answers are purely economic or political. At the bottom of it all, the great need for Australia is we've got a spiritual void. We need a spiritual awakening. Australia needs Jesus, and guess who's going to take him to them? The planet needs Jesus. The stuff that's happening, darkness is covering the whole earth, and in amongst this darkness, there's a call for the church to be light. Would you step up to the plate? I start talking about the Holy Spirit, and I meet some Christians that then start talking about revival. I believe in revival. But... I think there is a flawed concept of revival. A flawed concept of revival. Here it is. One day, God's just going to sweep across this nation and people are just going to be flooding into the kingdom. Sounds good. I'm up for that. And we get romantically attached to stories about the Welsh Revival and similar situations. 
I've met too many Christians who are waiting for a move of God. And good on them. My problem is, I've read the book. He's waiting for a move of me. (laughs) He's waiting for a move of me. See, it's harvest time. Jesus is having this incredible encounter with this woman from Samaria. And, and you know the deal. The disciples aren't there. They come back. They're bringing him some lunch. And they said, Jesus, you need to eat. And he says, listen, you don't understand things. Uh, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. You know what he's saying? I'm actually energized by actually engaging with someone who doesn't know Jesus. I'm engaged with somebody that doesn't know how much God loves them. I'm engaged with somebody from another culture. And even no matter how inappropriate it is, I'm going to help them understand they're loved by God. And you can see, as I read Scripture, I sometimes see the scene. I can just see their blank faces. And Jesus says, don't you have a saying? Don't you, don't you have that? Isn't the chatter around verse 35 of John 4? Don't you have a saying that there's still four months and then comes the harvest? That's that flawed revival mentality. One day, one day, somehow, God's just going to do it all. And Jesus said, you know what? Stop saying four months. Look to the fields. Whether they're in India or China or Africa or Europe or the Pacific Islands, or whether there's a big thing in my heart for the center of Australia and indigenous people, wherever it is. Stop saying for months, look to the fields that they're white to harvest. People are more ready to say yes to Jesus than many Christians are prepared to acknowledge. And part of it is we live in this little bubble of blessing. We like the bubble of blessing. It's nice. We dress nice. We smell nice. We come into nice buildings and we sing nice songs. I love it. Trouble is outside the blessing, people are dying. And people are hurting. They're hurting real bad. They're hurting real bad. I had a a lady come up to me a long time ago in our first church. She walked up to me. She said, Pastor Wayne, would you pray for me? I said, sure. Sweet old lady she was. I said, what's happening? She said, next week I'm going to a wedding for a relative. And I think I'm the only Christian going. I said, wow, what an opportunity. Let's pray. Take a hand. I say, Father, give my friend courage and boldness and give her incredible opportunities to to shine your light to people. We agreed and off she went. Came back a week or two later. I said, so how'd you go? She said, Pastor Wayne, it was amazing. She said, you're not going to believe it. I got to sit beside the only other Christian at the wedding. And we talked all day. That's the sound of the bubble world. My neighbor, your neighbor needs Jesus. Neighboring nations need Jesus. And that's what this is all about. But can I tell you something? Something shifting on the planet. There is a new season. The turtle dove is cooing. Can you hear it? i tell you something, I'm going to grab that video, I'm going to watch it, I'm going to watch it again and again. Because I actually think our church is really good at mission down the road, but I think we're pretty average down the, around the globe. And I, I want something to get in my heart because, can I tell you something, I hear the turtle dove cooing, and he's not just cooing about Penrith, and he's just not cooing about this state, he's not just cooing about this nation, and, and, and Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other post parts of the earth, the turtle dove is cooing its harvest time. And as they hear the coo, he says, look, have a look. The fig tree forms its early fruit. You know the beautiful thing with fig trees? Its early fruit's a prophecy. It's only started. There's even more. I poked my head into the youth ministry at our church last Friday night. My son Ryan was preaching. He preached on the prodigal son. It was ridiculously good. He preached for 25 minutes on a treadmill, walking home as the son. 
having a conversation about the father's heart. It was unbelievable. Jumped off the treadmill, gave an altar call, and 50 kids, 50 teenagers gave their lives to Jesus. And that's exciting. But let me tell you something. I believe it's like the fig tree. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The early fruit says, hey, this is just a little taste. There's so much more on its way. Blossoming vines. Blossoming vines. You know, growing up in Queensland, I was privileged. A couple of homes we lived in had these magnificent Bowen mango trees. They will serve mango in heaven. Not those stringy things. These are the massive big things. But you know what I loved when I was a little boy? You'd see the mango trees, and first you'd start to see the, 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 just the little flowers, and you'd get excited. It's not going to be long. The flowers come first, and then the fruit comes pouring in. And when you see it, you say, get ready. You're going to need a lot of buckets. You might as well tell the neighbors they can come. Come and help us. Come and help us with the harvest. It's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be far too much for us. Blossoming vines is prophecy. Fruit is on its way. Let's get ready. Let's get prepared. Let's do what we can. Spread their fragrance. There's something beautiful. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He said that our God is leading his people in triumphant march and ceremony. And wherever we go, there's this fragrance. And those nations that I saw on the screen just before, there's a fragrance wherever we go. There's a stench of death. There's a stench of sin. And then into it comes the church of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, what's that? Love and kindness and justice and mercy. One of my team was called to the the state's children's hospital last week. And they knocked on the door. They stand there, and I hope, looked up, and they said, Jesus, are you all right? I said, just been to the hospital, Pastor Wayne. Last year, God spoke to a heart to adopt the state hospital. There's a few strategic reasons which I won't go into tonight. And spoke to us to go into it. And we, we at Mother's Day, we, we just felt that the Lord spoke to us to make a Mother's Day on Mother's Day. 220 children at any given time are in that hospital. And many of them coming from places like the Torres Strait and even across from the territory and, you know, remote country towns as well as in the cities. And these mums are sitting there sometimes with children that are dying. And Lynn and some of the girls got in the heart, why don't we just do one of the most magnificent gifts and put it on every bed of every child on Mother's Day? 220 beds, average price of the gift was $250, $50,000. Put on their, on their beds and these mothers walked in and burst into tears because fragrance. And we did it for Father's Day. Didn't spend as much on dads. You never spend as much on Father's Day. Got a phone call. Are you, you going to do anything for us at Christmas? I said, of course. Now they've said, could you come in? And they've listed just these, these, these doors of opportunity. They've just swung open. The, the book of Proverbs says a man's gift makes room for him. We think it's our spiritual gift. You know what that word gift actually means? Your bribe. When you come and actually do something practical, boom, doors open. That's what, wait, this is what this is all about. Making room so the King of Glory can come in, so Jesus can come in. So back to last week, this beautiful girl on my staff, she's standing with tears. She said, Pastor Wayne, I went to the hospital and said, what, what's the best thing we can do for you? They said, oh, we'd love you to adopt us again on Mother's Day and Father's Day. It was so good. But the greatest need in our hospital right now is for mature age women just to come and hold babies they call them cuddle carers COVID has caused people to get scared still stuck in winter not come anymore 
Some of those children have been flown from a long, long way away. And little tiny people, they actually need human touch. They just need human touch. We don't need you to come and say anything or do anything. You don't need skills. The only skill you need is to be able to do this. That's it. So I've got an army of women about to go in. (laughs) Just do that. (laughs) And the fragrance of Jesus comes in to a place that's so sad. I was down at the hospital last week. I had to be there for another situation. And I watched, I watched Pastor Jack as, as this family. I saw them. I was standing near the entranceway talking to a, a young security man about Jesus because I couldn't get in because of COVID. Lynn was inside and I'm just standing there and I watched this family. I could just see the terror on their face as they drove in the driveway and they, and they backed up and they backed into a steel post and they didn't care because they got a child who was dying. felt the Holy Spirit say, this is why you're here today. Not for that other thing. I just went and helped them with their vehicle. Tiny thing. Fragrance of Jesus. So what do we do? We step out a window. We rise up. And we step into a new day. And we get ourselves ready to engage in a harvest. Because it's the only answer for planet Earth. Would you stand with me right now? You hang around me, you're going to find I'm pretty emotional these days. I've been hanging out with the Lord of the harvest. He's begin to show me what he sees and he's begin to arrest me. Causing me to hear what he hears. Broken people need Jesus. Would you close your eyes? Now, I don't know how many of us in this room need to say, you know what, in reality, I love God, but I'm a little stuck in winter. I'm being a little sad. You're online tonight. I'm so glad you joined us, but maybe there's been some things that have just... I don't know, just caused you just to be a little stressed and depressed. My prayer for you today is that he would bring you into this exciting new day in him. Would you bow your heads across this room? If you're watching online and for some reason a friend of yours just encouraged you to check it out and you wouldn't necessarily call yourself a follower of Christ but something in your heart says this is what you've been looking for maybe you're in this room and you'd have to say look I'm actually spiritually dead or I've gone spiritually cold or I've never really had an engagement with with the Lord I know it's a missions conference but you know what missions is just about helping people find Jesus this is about you Pastor Jack and the team will no doubt help you, but I wonder how many in this room or how many online right now need to put their hand on their heart and say, God, I need you to come do a new work in my heart. I, I, I hear you say, come and follow me. I've been following other things. I've been distracted by other stuff, but I, I feel you call me back to the, just the simplicity and the wonder of love for you that's you just place your hand on your heart I'm going to pray for a few things in a moment but the first thing I want to do is just pray for people that just need to come back to the place of their first love with Jesus and I bless you my friend and I pray that you would know the wonder of the love of God I pray your eyes would be open to the, the, the magnitude of his extravagant love for you And I pray that as you respond to his call to follow, that you would know his grace to strengthen you and walk and step out day by day into all that he has for you. I speak that over you tonight in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
I wonder if every person in this room who says, you know why, I, I love God and I, I'm here tonight on a Thursday night because what you're talking about, it, it matters to me. What we saw on that screen, it, 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 it's beating in my heart. I can hear the turtle dove cooing. I do believe it's a new day. I do. It has to be a new day. It's the only answer for the human race. And you want to say, Holy Spirit, I hear you. I hear you call. I hear you declare it. But I need a fresh empowering of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be trapped in some flawed revival mentality that says it's only up to you because you want to empower me so I can work with you to see your kingdom come and the harvest impacted. If that's you, raise your hands to heaven right now across this room. Holy Spirit, would you come upon us? You gave us a promise, Lord, that we would be empowered to be witnesses. And we know what that word means, God. There's a cost to this. So, Father, we ask you to give us the Holy Ghost and boldness afresh. We ask you to give us the Holy Ghost and sensitivity, not only to your voice, but to others' voices. God, help us to be the answer to the prayers that people are praying down our street and right around this planet. God, do a fresh work in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And however we live and whatever we give, I pray that it would be part of bringing the fragrance of Jesus to a hurting, broken human race. Come on, if everyone in this room could just raise your hands to heaven for just a moment. Just for a moment. Just pray this prayer. Fill me again, Holy Spirit. Fill me again. Fill me again. Do a new work in my heart. Captivate me. Fill me again, not only for a love for people, but firstly with a love for Jesus. Empower me. Lord, embolden me. Help me not just leave the presentation of the gospel to a few professionals. God, you called me to be salt and you've called me to be light. And Lord, you are, Lord, you want to use me. You said I'd be filled and I'd be empowered after the Holy Ghost comes upon me. I don't just want to hear the dove call. I don't just want to get excited about what's happening. I want to be part of what you're doing. So empower me again by the Holy Ghost, I pray. Oh, do it again in this place, Lord. We sense you moving. We feel you empowering. Spirit of God, fill your church. Cause us to rise. Cause us to step in to all you have. In the name, in the name of you. Fill your people tonight, Lord. Cause us to be continually being filled with the Holy Ghost, we pray. In the name of Jesus.